Retailers, are you ready to attend the hottest party of the year? During NRF Week, we're hosting our invite-only New York City cocktail party, and you'll connect with our top retail influencers and global retail leaders. This will be a night you'll never forget. January 16th, join alongside 200 of the industry's best at the Rethink Retail Bash. Visit rethink.industries slash bash 2023. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rethink Retail Podcast. I'm your guest host, Carol Speakerman, and today I'm speaking with my guest, Tom Nolan. Tom is the Chief Executive Officer of Kendra Scott, a billion-dollar fashion and lifestyle brand with a growing network of over 130 experiential stores and pop-up locations, along with a thriving e-commerce business and a slew of wholesale partnerships, including Neiman Marcus, Nordstrom, Bloomingdale's, Dillard's, and over 850 specialty boutiques. Prior to joining Kendra Scott, Tom held senior roles at Ralph Lauren, Condé Nast, and he was the founder and CEO of Prospect Brands. So welcome to the show, Tom. It's great to have you here. Hi, thanks, Carol. I appreciate you having me. You bet. You know, so Tom, you took over as CEO last year after serving as the president and chief revenue and marketing officer. And the founder, Kendra Scott, still leads the brand's design, customer experience, and philanthropic efforts. But she hailed you as an experienced executive with a relentless focus on the customer, operational rigor, and strong expertise in digital transformation. And I have to say that's really high praise coming from the founder of the company. So I'd love to kick off the conversation by learning more about your vision and any key actions that you've taken since you became CEO. Yeah, I mean, my, I think that my my job and 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 my vision here really is to execute our founders, uh, Kendra's, and I think you know her and I over the years have really developed a remarkable relationship, kind of rooted in trust, and I think that that has paid high dividends. I think for the success of the business, but it's really all of our jobs here to execute what her vision is, which is which is ultimately to create and continue to build a global lifestyle brand that is changing lives through the philanthropic pillar that Kendra's established 20 years ago. So that's, that's kind of what we're focused on. And we know that at the, at the core of that, the customer's our boss and we're doing everything that we can, knowing that she ultimately signs our paychecks at the end of the day and trying to make sure we, we live up to her high standards. Well, you know, in terms of performance, Kendra Scott experienced double digit growth from 2020 to 2021. And you're on track to have the biggest year to date in 2022. So congratulations on that. It's really an incredible accomplishment, especially given all the challenges that brands are facing and particularly in discretionary categories. So, Tom, what's your take on how Kendra Scott broke, broke through and, and achieved such a great performance? Yeah, Carol, I think, you know, the, there's, a, there's a lot of brands out there that sell jewelry, right? And if we're just another company that's selling jewelry, then, then we're not going to, we're not going to win at least not to the extent that we've won thus far to date, to your point, we had double digit growth, um, from 20 to 21. We're having similar growth this year and basically every year that, that I've been around here, we've had this same kind of growth. So I think it really comes down to the fact that, um, Kendra, when she started this company, put a stake in the ground and said she wanted to change people's lives and philanthropy has always been at the core of everything that we do. 
So when we approach a market, we really want to have strong relationships with our customers, not just be a transaction. It's all about um, a conversation and a relationship with each of our customers. And I think the way that we have done that really effectively is through our retail network that you spoke about a little bit earlier. At the end of this year, we'll have 130 stores. And um, in those stores this year, we'll do close to 15,000 events. And each one of those events is a very local event, either in the store or outside of the store. And every one of them has a give back component to it to help people in local communities. And I think that that has really galvanized our relationships with our customer base and allowed us to continue to be successful because it's not just going in and purchasing a gift for somebody or a piece of jewelry. It's it's more than that. And we take a lot of pride in that. We work really hard at it. And, and I think it makes a difference. And the brands that are winning, not just Kendra Scott, I think are the ones that do that effectively. Yeah, absolutely. And well, like a growing number of brands, though, Kendra Scott is a multi-model operator. You've got wholesale, e-commerce, and own retail as all part of the mix. In fact, you increased your retail store count this year. And, you know, of course, so many brands have attempted brick and mortar only to wave the white flag. So I'm curious as to the role that you see stores playing for Kendra Scott. And, you you know, you mentioned the philanthropic aspect of it. You know, obviously, it seems like you see that as a way to directly interact in that capacity. But what do stores represent in the mix? And what is this in-store experience like at a Kinder Scott store? Yeah. So in the beginning of our business, like a lot of a lot of brands, we were exclusively wholesale when Kinder started the business in 2002. We, were, we had a 100% wholesale business, either in department stores or in specialty shops. And wholesale continues to play a vital role in our organization. It's really important. And you mentioned a bunch of them earlier. We have some really terrific partners. But what Kendra's learned in 2008 and 2009 during the last recession was we, when you're in a wholesale partnership, in a lot of ways, you don't control your brand um, and you're left in the hands of, of something else. So we, she saw it as an opportunity to really own that experience. And when stores were shuttering and our wholesale business was really declining, Kendra made a really big bet and we opened up our first retail store in early 2000, late 2009, early 2010. And she wanted it at the time. There was a lot of, felt like there was a lot of white space. The, the shopping experience in most jewelry stores wasn't fun and it was scary and everything was under case and people were very judgmental and they wore gloves. And she wanted to turn that on its head and things were really expensive. She wanted to find natural gemstones, um, and which is what the brand was kind of rooted in, and sell them at affordable, high value proposition prices and create an amazing experience where people walked in and they were friendly and you could have a glass of champagne or beer, and it just felt like a party atmosphere. And we did events because it was our way to help and give back to our local community. So the business has really evolved over the years. And I think our retail business, I, I've been bullish on retail since I've gotten here because our retail team is the tip of the spear. They are how people interact with our brand in a way that you can't replicate in a wholesale partner on our website. So it's critically important to us, number one, because it creates that relationship and galvanizes that relationship with the customer. More importantly, we're doing good at helping local communities. And when when we first embarked on this retail world, you know, Kendra bootstrapped this business. We didn't have an institutional investor for the first uh, 11 years of the, of the brand. And out of necessity, we opened stores in secondary and tertiary markets. And it actually wound up being a, and we started in the middle of the country and worked our way out where a lot of brands start on the coast and they work their way, their way in. 
what that allowed us to do is really create relationships. We didn't have a lot of competition. You know, there wasn't a Tiffany and company store next door to us. We were the only game in town in a lot of ways. And we, because it, it was so event-based, we built deep relationships with local schools and hospitals and families and, and learning the business that way, I think was really helpful versus the cutthroat mentality that exists in a lot of times out on the coast. So the neat thing is, Carol, that we've we've seen that same success now happen in places like the Northeast, which is our fastest growing region right now. So we're seeing the same kind of kindness and local community and relationship driving business and interactions that we saw in the in the Midwest and the Southeast also now happening in the Northeast, which I think is a great bellwether for us uh, for the future. And it's driven by retail. So uh, we continue to see retail as playing a really critical role in our business. It has almost from the beginning, and I'm, I'm sure it will forever. Well, that's a, that's an awesome success story. And, you know, it sounds like your positioning as being a true store of the community. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we, we don't want to just be another store in a town. We want to be a part of the community. You know, again, like I said, whether it's through a local university or a school or a hospital or a business institution, we, we want people to feel like they're walking into a home, not a retail store. That was really important to us. And it's been, a, I think, a, a key ingredient to our success. Well, obviously, this year has presented quite a few challenges in retail and for brands and, you know, particularly inflation and interest rates hitting record highs. And I mentioned the slowdown in discretionary spending that's tied in with that and that's been causing margin crunches for some brands and retailers. And again, particularly in those discretionary categories. So how is Kinder Scott taking that on? Yeah, I mean, I think I think everything you mentioned is true. I mean, there's a lot of geopolitical and macroeconomic headwinds out there right now that are out of our control. The things that are in our control as it relates to things like supply chain, you, you reference margin. I think the team's done a really, really nice job of protecting and making sure that we are in a really good place there. And we, we learned that kind of exercise, that muscle, so to speak, through COVID, where we had not a single supply chain disruption, which made us an outlier. So I think I do think I do think consumer discretionary spending is going to curtail to some degree. I mean, there are there are there are not a lot of positive economic indicators out there for 2023. And I think, as I referenced earlier, if we were just another jewelry brand, it, it, I'd feel a lot different. But we're not. I think that because we have these relationships with our customers, because we have a really high value proposition, we're we're cautiously optimistic about next year and the company. And our team is prepared to pivot wherever the customer's going and however, whatever she gives us authority to, to, to do. So I feel good about what's ahead because we're not just something that people cut because we're, we're more than just a thing. I feel like we, we've, we've worked really hard at cr creating a brand that is a part, of, a part of people's lives and not just, you know, an earring or necklace that somebody wears. Well, I want to circle back to something that you said, because it sounds like that you managed to avert some of those supply chain challenges that a lot of other brands have been facing, and especially those that are in the, re you know, in the owned retail space. So how have you been taking that on? And, and you know, specifically, and also to the inventory challenges, the inventory pileups that so many retailers have been having to work through um, coming into this holiday season. I mean, look, inventory inventory piles up when you don't sell through the product you think you're going to. So a lot of that <laughs> is just based on bad bad performance. We we've been fortunate that we we didn't we haven't had poor performance. So we're we're in a a, a healthy inventory position. And inventory, as you know, in this business, 
it's like blood, right? Too much of it, you, you die and too little of it, you die. So you have to be really <laughs> and protective of it. Um, you know, what, what we did kind of going into COVID was it, it shouldn't have been a surprise to anybody that, that especially for those companies that make things overseas, that what happened happened, right? I mean, there was of course going to be a shutdown. It probably was going to originate, uh, in Asia where a lot of companies make things and we are no different there. So we very quickly realized this. We very quickly pivoted and diversified our supply chain to protect against that if one country shut down. And it, it wound up being a great thing. We were, we were exclusively almost in one country and now we're in several. And we took our suppliers that were based in, in, in places like China and really forced them to diversify outside of that country, as well as continuing to expand in that country where, where we felt it was necessary. So we had a really diversified thoughtful group of sourcing partners. And at the same time, Carol, we've, we've had a lot of the same partners from almost the very beginning and they've grown with us. So, you know, just like our customer relationships, I think we, we put a priority on, on relationships across the board. So when things got challenging because we had those relationships and because of the longstanding situation that we were in, they were able to pivot with us very quickly and it, it really paid a nice high dividend. That's great. It sounds like you, those long-term relationships with your suppliers and sort of empowering them to help you through it made a big difference. Yeah, for sure. It did. Look, we, we, my, my mentality from a hiring perspective and a leadership perspective is, you know, I, I have very servant mentality. I mean, a lot of the, you know, I, when I address our company, I don't, they don't work for me. I, I work for them. And it kind of feel like that from a supply chain standpoint too. Like we can't, we can't operate without having great partners and a great relationship with them. And they drive our business in a lot of ways. The same way we talked about retail. I mean, I refer to our store managers as the CEOs of their store. You know, we, we can give them strategic guidance on what we think that they should be doing. But at the end of the day, you know, somebody in Cincinnati, Ohio, or Cleveland or El Paso is going to know that their customers different than another place. So we, we empower them to make the right decisions. The same thing with our suppliers. And I think it's a good leadership. I'd like to think it's a good leadership quality, at least. And it's, again, also have, has, has served us well. That's great. Well, you know, this holiday season, of course, you can't have an interview this time of year without talking about what's happening for the holidays. And we're recording this episode really right in the throw of everything in early December. And I'd like to ask you, how do you see the holiday season shaping up for Kendra Scott or just in general? Yeah, I mean, look, we, the, the, we, we call it our Super Bowl, right? I mean, this is most companies like ours will do, in some cases, up to 50% of their total annual business in the fourth quarter. So we're, we're, we're no different than that in a lot of ways. So we spend a lot of time planning for the holiday season, also pivoting and reacting to where, whether it's a macroeconomic trend or what's happening in retail. I mean, people are searching experience. I mean, we've seen it. People were, were, were cooped up for a long time. They're happy to be out. Restaurants are packed. Movie theaters are busy. Retail stores are busy. So we had a, we've to date had a tremendous, tremendous success uh, as it relates to our holiday Yellow, we call Black Friday, Yellow Friday. Um, we saw a 44% increase year over year. In total, our, our retail business was up almost 50%. Cyber Monday, we saw a significant increase. And over the course of the total promotion of that, of that business, we've had, again, double-digit increase over LY. Traffic was up uh, in both our website as well as our, uh, our retail traffic overall. So we, we've had... We've had a lot of success for the first time ever. We 
have focused on on men as it relates to gift giving. We did a campaign that just launched this week actually called Buy Better Gifts, which is kind of a fun play on the challenges that some of us as, as men have waiting until the very last <laughs> minute to give gifts to people and then not always giving the most thoughtful, appreciated gifts. So we, we've had a lot of success and we've launched a bunch of really exciting new products. We launched watches earlier in the year and Scott Brothers, which is a men's line. We launched engagement earlier in the year. So all of those things are, are, are serving us really well. In addition, from the very beginning with Color Bar, I mean, Kendra's focused on create your own and customization. So as no surprise, that business has expanded. Our Color Bar business is really strong and, and we launched a Demi-Find business, which allows you to engrave messages, initials, uh, hearts, whatever, whatever you want to put on, on some of our products. So all those things have, have been firing on all cylinders and, and our fashion business has done great. So we, we're, we're in a really, a, and we make it fun. You know, like if you, if you're out on uh yellow, yellow Friday, it, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's mayhem. I mean, I was, I spent a lot of time out in the retail stores, uh, and most retail stores that you walk past on a daily basis, especially this time of year, there's a lot of people that look unhappy in them and not just the associates working there, but also the customers, especially, you know, for those of us that get dragged along sometimes and we don't really want to shop, but we're, we, we have to, and not our stores don't like they're, they're happy and they're filled with people. They're excited. Uh, we're treating people to high value propositions, but also allowing them to have a really good time. And, it, and it's, it serves, it has continued to serve us well for 20 years. Well, it sounds like you're a very people oriented business. I mean, not only with your customers, but with your store associates and just across the entire enterprise. And there's been a lot of buzz around retailers cutting back on hiring around the holidays and ramping up automation. Yeah. But you guys hired over 700 seasonal workers this year. So how do you utilize all that people power? Well, look, we're really strategic in how we hire people. And you you said it, uh, so I'll, I'll just reiterate what you just said. I mean, people are all that matter in life. And in companies, I, I mean, I tell people all the time when, it, when we're, in, we're interviewing candidates, like you don't work for a company, you work for people. And if you pick the wrong people that you work for, or if you poor, pick the wrong people that work for you, it, it's never a good marriage, right? So we, we, are, we are diligent and dogged about how we hire people and finding people that have a heart for giving, a kindness and a compassion. And we're nothing without our people. So our culture is critically important to us, whether it's the 700 people we hired seasonally this year or our 2,500 people that work here on a day-to-day -day basis, it's, it's critical. They're the lifeblood of our organization. And Kendra has really been adamant about that from the very beginning. And we don't have egos here either. We like, I'm, I'm very happy to admit that I don't know something. And I think that that is pervasive through the organization. So it allows us to hire some really amazing people. And, and more importantly, especially recently with, you know, the job market being so strong, it's allowed us to retain those people because it's a nice place to work. I, I, I was mentioning earlier to somebody, I think corporate culture is critically, critically important, especially in this really fast paced world that we live in where some people are working from home, other people are not working from home. It's, it is, it is a crazy environment. We really do put our people first and we put, we put our money where our mouth is as it relates to that and make sure that we, we do it right. And what we've created here is whether it's in our retail stores, our distribution center or a corporate office, generally speaking, Carol, I think at least what I've experienced is that there's, there's two types of cultures at organizations. There's 
the kind that's very cutthroat and driven and aggressive and win at all costs and have to drive the business and have to drive the bottom line. And, and that's, that's fine for, for some. And then there's other businesses that are more about work-life balance and, and feelings and compassion and kindness. And, and neither one is right or wrong in my opinion, but they're both very different. And what I've experienced in my career, at least is those two things juxtapose each other. And I have not ever seen a company culture that where both exist until I got here. We have this insatiable appetite to win and it starts from Kendra. I mean, you can't be one of the most successful female entrepreneurs and create a billion dollar business without having that just engine to drive and push and succeed and achieve and win. But we balance it with an amazing kindness and compassion and care and warmth and familial that just I've not ever seen anywhere, uh, and not even close. And I think when you do that effectively, you wind up having, you ha and you have a brand that people like and aspire to and product that is nice, you're going to be successful. I mean, it is really not that challenging of an equation, but I think not enough companies or people have emphasize it enough. And as a result, they don't create cultures that exist the way that I just described. And then retention becomes challenging and the customer experience is a challenge and it's, it's just hard to sustain something. And we've been doing it for, you know, two decades now, really successfully. And I, it's probably the thing I'm most proud of. I mean, and the business results are just a byproduct of hiring the right people. Well, that's, that's really a, quite a testimony and a, just a great story, you know, particularly when you hear about these labor shortages and they're just sort of discussed in a very one-dimensional way. And I think you did such a great job of calling out um, how much, a, you know, a, taking a thoughtful approach and a multi-dimensional approach to all of that really makes a difference and, and can, you know, at the end of the day, make you more competitive in the market. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. It's, it's, it's served us well so far. Hopefully, hopefully it continues. So you had uh, alluded to one of your partnerships where you were talking about, I guess, as part of your diversification into men's products. I believe that was a partnership with Peyton Manning's production company, yep. Omaha Productions. Yep. Yeah. And uh, as part of that helping, helping men buy better gifts uh, campaign. Yep. But also you forged a partnership with Mattel where you launched the first ever uh, Barbie and Kendra Scott collection. So can you tell me more about these collaborations in relation to your overall strategy? And do you have any more in the pipeline? Yeah. Yeah. So this is a constant work in progress for us. I the brand partnerships, the people who we partner with. I mean, the, the Omaha Productions one was easy because I, I have a personal relationship with the Mannings and, you know, know what, appreciate what they've done and the brand that they've created and have seen that kind of firsthand. So, but every decision we make as a brand ladders back to our core pillars and making sure that we connect authentically with our customers. And that includes who we choose to partner with, right? So we've, Obviously, as it relates to the Omaha Productions, as you're talking about, buy better gifts, 20% of our customers are male. Um, that was an easy one. What we did with Barbie was remarkable. I mean, Mattel and Barbie, Barbie's an institution. And it's amazing to see how that has really had a resurgence of late recently um, to become more relevant, I think, than Barbie's ever been as it relates to their, their customer base. So Th those two executed really well. I'm, I'm super proud of them, but we, we do them on a, on a, on a daily basis. I mean, in the, the marketing team, we have so many talented people on our marketing team and our product team and our design team that are constantly out and constantly innovating and looking for analogous, whether it's a production company or a brand that talks to our customer and might be relevant, then we do it. And by the way, 
you referenced two that, that worked really well. Some of them don't, right? And I love when things don't work well either because we learn. So <laughs> we've got, we've got a, a couple of more in the pipeline, but there's always something in the pipeline. You don't hear about all of them because not all of them are home run. Those two happen to be. That's correct. Well, it, it sounds like it's part of a really an overall thoughtful diversification strategy into new categories, reaching out to new customers. But, you know, all of it sounds really logical for the brand. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, the customer, as we think about new categories, ultimately the customer votes and gives us permission to, to do more or not. Right. And I referenced earlier that the customers are boss. And if we adhere to that principle, then that's kind of how we operate. And that's how we've always done it. And I think that's how we always will. Well, this has been such a great conversation, Tom. And I'd like to wrap up by asking you, what does the future look like for Kendra Scott with all of the new initiatives that you've been testing out? And like you said, so many of them have been successful. And with your, again, obviously thoughtful approach to growth, what's around the corner and what can we expect to see from Kendra Scott over the next year? Yeah, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, more of the same, right? We want to continue our, our company from a national unaided brand awareness is only about 5%, right? So 5% of people don't know who we are unaided. So it creates a huge opportunity and a platform really for us to do more of the same. And, and by that, I mean, Carol, just giving back, creating a relationship with our customers at a very local level and, and helping those who need help. Um, so we, we want to keep doing more of that as often as possible. We want to keep doing more events. We want to keep affecting people's lives in a positive way. We want to keep growing, growing that and, and really driving it via retail. I think from a, from a brand perspective, we've launched, I referenced a couple of kind of key critical launches we've had this year that have all been really successful. I think ultimately Kendra's vision for this brand is to create a global lifestyle brand that is helping to change people's lives, you know, one person at a time. So. That, that's the ultimate goal, right? And I was fortunate enough to kind of see that firsthand. I think that the best, most prolific global lifestyle brand at, at Ralph Lauren. And I think we have the same ability to, to do that in a, in, a, in a different way, of course. But, you know, Ralph started by making ties in the Empire State Building and Kendra started by making jewelry in her spare bedroom of her house. So we have the ability in a really authentic way because we have an amazing founder and face of the brand here who a lot of people aspire to be people from all different walks of life and shapes and colors and sizes and genders. And she is a real warm person that everybody can aspire to be from all over the place. And I think, you know, when we run things on social media of Kendra, people always want to know, you know, what kind of car do you drive? Where do you live? Who decorated your house? Where do you go on vacation? So I think, I think the future for us is, is continuing to give a peek into her life and and have her vision come to life of creating a global lifestyle brand, but rooted in making sure that we are helping those in need because there's a lot of people that need help, right? Whether it's women and children or mental illness, or I was at Dell Children's Hospital this morning doing a Kedra Cares event for, you know, their pediatric oncology group. And, you know, we, we, we want to keep doing that. The business allows, just gives us a platform to help help people. And ultimately, that's kind of, that's what we want to continue to do. That's awesome. It really is. And Tom, I want to thank you for joining me today and sharing all the exciting news at Kendra Scott and really some best practices that I think a lot of folks can learn from in terms of um, how to beat the odds in some ways and also to 
how to do good while doing well. <laughs> so yeah. thank you so much for being here. And I really look forward to following all your progress and all of the exciting things that you're going to be doing in 2023. Thanks for the opportunity, Carol. It's great to catch up with you. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing, reviewing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.